You are listening to a sermon series from Open Door Fellowship Church. Good morning, Open Door. My sweet friends. Um, well, we're in Ecclesiastes, and this is our last week, Life Worth Living. I, I'd love to review this with you, but those always go bad. Um, and we don't have time, so all I want to say to you is uh, thank you, Clint. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you, Stu. Thank you, Sam. What a beautiful series. Yeah, amen. If you haven't heard it all, go listen to it. It is a beautiful. Well, the other... The other day, I, I went down the hall to get something. I walked into another room, and I, I stepped into the room and looked around. And thought, hello, room. Um, everything seems in order here. Why am I here? I have literally no idea why I'm here. But I'm here, I came here forthright with, with, with strong intention. Well, carry on, carry on. Um, I'm sure I'll be back. And I went back into the other room. Ten minutes later, I went, ah, yes, yes. Hey, 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 you guys, I'm back. It was my keys. I needed my keys. Thank you, thank you. You're all doing a great job in here. And I left. That happens almost every day now. And that's why this passage in Ecclesiastes, as Solomon wraps this up, is so uh, meaningful to me. I hope it is to you. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come, and the years draw near when you'll say, I have no delight in them. This passage has caused me to go back to my single room at 38th Street and Thomas that flooded whenever it rained. That studio that on the side of an old woman's house who let me rent it. And that December 23rd, 1979 was the night I put my hope in Jesus. I fell down on my knees and asked him into my heart. And for some reason I found myself saying, <clears throat> give me everything you've got. If you're who you say you are, I have no other plan for my life but to live it fully for you. So now we come to the end of this book. Remember. And the word is so much more than a casual uh, give a remembrance. It's like coming to the table in remembrance and saying, yeah, yeah, I want to remember that. It's so, so much more. It is uh, literally bring to remembrance, call to mind, celebrate, continually remember, extol, keep in mind, enter in, preserve. And, and maybe this gives more of a flavor of it. Remember, discover Him. Let Him love you. Respond to His tenderness. Enjoy Him. Trust Him. Live for Him. Find His destiny for you. Know Him intimately. 
Discover what he has for you to do, not just your job, but who you will influence and how God will make a difference in your kids, your best friends, and those you've given yourself permission to disdain. To discover how you're to be used to change the, the world. I'm sorry, because that's who you now are. Because that's who you now are. Remember God before you seem to have no real need for Him. While you're young, decide what kind of relationship you're going to have with God. Don't presume that you could put it off until later uh, when you're older and more mature. Don't presume God's meant for your 50s when, you, when you'll need Him more. For forces are fighting against the development of this relationship the older you get. So now, the moment you discover God is what you want, act on it. Lock in and live out the depth of your relationship. Don't let any hurt or disappointment stop you. You have a God heart or you wouldn't be here. This is the time. This is the life you want. What you invest right now is what you will be living off of later. And those who miss it or fake it will lack what they most need when they most need it. Ninety-five percent of all believers come to Christ before they are 50 years old and most of them before they are 30. There's only one exception. It's this man, John Boring. He came when he was 70-something. And he has grabbed hold of it and understood Jesus. Such, go figure. Man, oh man, oh man. But uh, unless you're John Boring, all these words are true. John, you can just blow it off. Do whatever you want. Remember your creator in the days of youth before the evil days come down. Now, they're not evil days, but they feel like it to Solomon. Remember, he's just looking under the sun, and Solomon can only see so far as we're going to see in this passage. From, the, from under the sun, it makes no sense. It seems like vanity. Just when you're figuring out life, you begin to get childish again. Just when you're becoming wise, you lose your memory. <laughs> Just when you discover your need, you begin to lose your ability to change and learn new things. He's not saying that we will say, I have no delight in him, but that I have no delight in my life anymore. So now he's going to go through some figurative language. It's kind of fun. The first one's not fun, but then it kind of, it kind of is playful to see what he's trying to say in his figurative language. Um, join with me. The first one is mental, and then in, in verse 3 and 4 and 5 and 6, it gets physical. Um, verse 2, Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. What's he talking about here? Depression. He's talking about memory loss. Clouds go, they come back. Everything gets vague. Everything gets a little bit confusing. The, over 60 is the highest suicide, suicide rate in men. Dreams of what you thought you were going to be or what you were going to do. Disappointments. You are losing your memory. And you have this regret without the ability to fix it. 
For the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. And now see if you can stay with this. In, in, the, day when the, um, in the day when the watchmen of the house tremble, what's that? That starts to go on. The hands. And the mighty men stoop. I used to have tree trunks for legs. They're these flimsy, weird bird things now. <laughs> and the mighty men start to stoop. And the grinding ones, I love that. <laughs> the grinding ones stand idle because they're few. What's that? Until there was model, uh, modern dentistry. Yeah. And those who look through the windows grow dim. Dries. And the doors of the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low. What's that? You're hearing, yeah. Your hearing starts to go bad. I keep saying to Stacy, you're a low talker. <laughs> Why don't you talk louder? She's got like a bullhorn, and, and I, I can't hear. Uh, in a restaurant, I'm just guessing. Yeah. We, we go to Buga to Beppo, I'm, I'm sure. So I'm reading lips. I, mm, yeah. Okay, I'm sure. That's great. And um, one will arise at the sound of a bird. Even though you can't hear, sound of a bird will wake you up. It's insomnia. Is that the worst? Is it the worst for old people? We're a mess and now we can't sleep. Except for Bill Thrall. He sleeps. He has no problem sleeping. He snores like a horse. He never has ever... I resent him for that deeply. And all the daughters of song will sing softly. What's that? Your voice, even my voice, this powerful voice is starting to go. Um, furthermore, men are afraid of a high place and terrors on the road. And I can't drive at night anymore. I, night driving freaks me out. And I'm, I'm just, I don't, and everything freaks me out. Every moment of every day freaks me out. <laughs> the almond tree blossoms. What's that? I'm looking at some of you. Yeah, your hair gets white. <laughs> the almond tree doesn't blossom blue, you guys. It's white. <laughs> and the, the grasshopper drags himself along. I, I, it, you get slower. I, I remember this man used to run with his dogs. He would run by in our neighborhood, 7301, and then he started, I could hear his feet start to shuffle as he ran. And then he had a different dog, and then no dog, and then he was walking. Now he's, it's like, Come on, one time. It's, I've watched all that progression in this man over these years. And the caperberry is ineffective. If you don't know what that is, the caperberry is ineffective. <laughs> That's your sexual potency right there. Anybody have any caperberry? <laughs> Sorry. For man goes to his eternal home while mourners go into the street. I hope you guys go into the street when I wrap this thing up. Remember him before the silver cord is broken. Maybe our spine. 
he's referring to. And the, um, the golden bull is crushed. The golden bull would be my uh, skull. It could be crushed by injury or you could have like someone could have a stroke, let's say. And the pitcher by the well is shattered. Heart failure. And the wheel at the cistern is crushed. The circulatory system. What a, what a picture. It freaks him out. He goes, ah, then the dust will return because he doesn't know what happens. He just knows about Sheol. He'll return to the God who gave it. Oh, it's so vain, so vain that, that these people who are getting so on their game can't find where the game's being played anymore. And then he switches his gears. He's going to wrap up the book and he knows it. And he says, so let me tell you what I've been trying to do. All these years. And he talks about wisdom. In addition to being a wise man, the preacher, how he identifies himself with a capital P, he's talking about himself. The preacher also taught the people knowledge. And he pondered and searched out and arranged many proverbs. The preacher sought to... to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. If you ever want to know part of what we're looking for in this next person who will help lead us, especially from the pulpit, it's these. He taught knowledge. He taught how to live this life. He pondered um, out. I love, pondered has this uh, interesting idea of weighing words carefully, of sifting. It's literally the word to sift, to sift through implication. He feels them. He debates with them. He debates over them and wrestles with them and strains over them. What is it saying? He searches it out. He compares it with other scripture. He arranges them. It's not just enough to have it, but where can people hear it right? How can they best hear it right? What has to happen first? Is there some humor? Is there, do I, can I, how much heaviness can I give before I overload? That's all he's doing. And then he sought to find delightful words. How can, how can this be said winsomely in a way that it can be heard? That it's not just beating us up or it doesn't just wash over us. How, how do I find Delightful words. That's, that's what Solomon said he was doing with all of his heart. And then he, would, he longed to write the words of truth correctly, to get it, to get it as right as he knew how to do. And, and the thing that's beautiful about Solomon, he realized, I'm not just giving slogans of my own making. These are all given by one shepherd. Everything I'm writing God is in it. Even though I'm not writing inspired words, I'm not, I'm not one of the biblical writers. In his case, he was. But to be able to know that these words are not just his, these are an expression, expansion, and elucidation of God's heart. And he says, because of that, it, it gave power for God's word through a human being to do something. He, he says... The words of wise men then, verse 11, are like goads, G-O-A-D-S. It's a, literally a pointed rod used to urge an animal. Um, if scripture has been presented well, taught well, written down well, explained well, then it does something. It has a chance to prod and poke you. 
You can't get it out of your mind. What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. I'll sing that now for the next four days, won't you? It makes you go then where you might not ordinarily go. And he says, um, the masters of these collections, they're like well-driven nails. Uh, Thrall's a master of these collections. Thrall goes out in gardens and thinks about the implications of these things. And so he becomes a master of these collections um, like well-driven nails. That's what he's like. Anyone who masters them is like a well-driven nail. A well-driven nail holds things together, doesn't it? A well-driven nail puts two things back together. It gives stability. It gives healing. It gives the ability for people to find themselves again with each other. Now I want to uh, just read to you. Um, I want to read to you um, how the wisdom of Jesus and the proclamation of Jesus um, come together. Jesus is everything. He is above all, in all, over all, through all. He is how the sea is kept in the ocean. He is the one who holds me together. He is the hope of the nations, the one who writes all history, who allows my grandchildren to sleep. Jesus is why I stay in a community that can hurt and be hurt. He is my song. He is my protection. When all seems lost, he allows it to never be lost. He gives dreams. He gives new dreams. He is the feeling I experience superior to any human affirmation or achievement. He is the sense maker. He is who stops me from continuing to attack to win my side. He is the one who knows how long injustice goes before it is to be stopped. He is the one who keeps me from despair. He compels me to identify with the wounded and estranged, the poor and the lost. He is the one who teaches us to stop labeling and start loving those we don't understand. He's fully God, fully man, fully enough. He is who I worship with my very being. He is the daily power of redemption, the fiber of my choosing forgiveness, my way home from failure, the essence of goodness, why I ever decide humility over pride. He is the most beautiful sound in the universe. My best friend, the best choice I have ever made, the only thing I really care that my grandchildren learn from me. He is how I love you. He is the most authentic truth I know about love. He is who I most love and am most loved by. He is love. He is present in every moment. He is here right now in this room, standing next to me and sitting next to you. Actually part of me. He has made me righteous and holy on my worst day. He has carried me when I blamed him. He has taught me what is funny and he laughs with me. Whatever he says is right, and I only want what he wants for me. Nothing more, nothing less. He is the final word. The cross and resurrection, the final payment. The land beyond this world, my only home. Jesus, fused with me. 
is what makes me come alive. Everything you've ever valued in me is Christ in me. He is my Lord, my Savior, my hero, my best friend. Proclaiming the name of Jesus is what starts revivals. Proclaiming the name of Jesus creates immediate peace. Proclaiming the name of Jesus can halt a crime. Proclaiming the name of Jesus can heal physically. Proclaiming the name of Jesus can bring a person to faith. Proclaiming the name of Jesus can restore an entire nation. Proclaiming the name of Jesus causes demons to flee. Proclaiming the name of Jesus can bring us to worship. Proclaiming the name of Jesus lets me know he's here. Proclaiming the name of Jesus can take away all fear. Proclaiming the name of Jesus draws us to each other. Proclaiming the name of Jesus can bring hope to a, to a broken family. Proclaiming the name of Jesus can bring me back to my right mind. Proclaiming the name of Jesus is appropriate in any season. And then wisdom comes alongside what I just said. Wisdom tells us how this all happens, how it works out in the day-to-day, -day, how Jesus is applied, the role faith and trust plays. Wisdom explains how the power of the cross is experienced, how the resurrection brings power. Wisdom takes away religious superstition and bad theology. Wisdom takes slogans and turns them into life-giving hope. But beyond this, my son be warned, the writing of many books is endless. I keep telling Bruce McNichol this. <laughs> An excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. I've protected myself well against that. <laughs> and then he says this, the conclusion when all has been heard is this, fear God and keep his commandments because it applies to every person for God will bring every act of judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it's good or evil. Isn't it interesting? He ends the very book with words that are mostly no longer true. Because hmm. he couldn't see far enough. He thought that was what he was supposed to say, but he didn't know that someone would take that judgment upon himself. It was the conclusion, it no longer is. These are the conclusions now. Therefore, there is now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He made us, He made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness, that we would become the righteousness of Christ in Him. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer the old I who lives, but Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And he didn't know this. 
He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. Now, I love this. Now there is a new covenant conclusion that we overlay onto verse 13 and verse 14. And Solomon would say this if he were here today. By, one, by the way, you're going to be eating pie one day. He's going to come by and say, Lynch was right. This is what I would have said. Hey, old people, listen up. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Strong as oaks, Billy Foles, Susie Foles. For momentary light affliction, health, all the stuff that comes, the disappointment, it's producing for us, are there stronger words, an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen, they're eternal. That's the new conclusion. So now it's time for me to give um, the only review of Ecclesiastes that I will give, it's to go back to chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes. You don't have to turn there. It says, um, there is an appointed time for everything. There's a time for every event under heaven. And then the birds came along and said to everything, turn, 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 there's a season, turn, turn, turn. <laughs> and a time to every purpose under heaven. So with permission to Solomon and the birds, to everything, turn, 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 there's a season, turn, 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 and a time to every purpose unto heaven, a time to lack sleep. When you get up Sunday mornings at three o'clock because you want to get it right. And a time to lie down. A time to be wise. And a time to embarrass your children in front of guests. A time to meet with everyone at every possible moment, and then a time to meet only on my patio when you are invited. A time to every purpose unto heaven. A time to write skits and do funny accents. A time to still write skits and do funny accents. A time to be in front of others. And a time to cook food with an hibachi in the back section. Time to overlook my wife's needs and a time to protect her and enjoy her with all my heart. A time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be over and a time to be among, a time to be careful with my social cultural takes and a time to more boldly write and speak out against injustice. And a time to just embrace and hold others more. A time to every purpose under heaven. To every season, turn, turn, turn. There is a season, turn, turn, turn. And a time to every purpose under heaven, 
a time to carry the lives of others and a time to let others carry those lives. A time to carry a mantle with others and a time to hand that mantle back. A time to be trusted and a time to trust others with your family. And a time to trust Jesus with us all together. I want to ask the elders to come up if you would. Just stand near me. Uh, Stacy found this. Uh, it's Dedication of Elders, Open Door Fellowship, June 10th, 1990. Uh, Chuck Armading and Audrey and Stacy and I got on stage. Um, with these guys in here. Uh, Dean Moen started out reading the Word of God. It's a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of elder, it's a fine work he desires to do. An elder must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not, a, not addicted to wine. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> And then there was a response where Bill Thrall spoke to us. And then, then this guy, Dennis Martin, read out of Acts about elders. And then Paul Armading spoke to us. And then, um, and then Paul said, John and Stacy, do you sincerely believe that you've been led by the Holy Spirit? to engage in this work and to assume these responsibilities. And we said, we do. And Dennis said, John, will you be diligent in prayer in the reading and study of God's word and such studies as shall help you uh, to grow in your role and responsibilities elder? And I said, yes. And Paul said, John, in humble dependence upon the Lord, uh, will you make it a supreme purpose of your life to give yourself unreservedly to the work of Christ as an elder at Open Door Fellowship? And I said, I will with the help of God. And Dennis said, will you earnestly seek to carry forward your ministry in humility and sincerity and love and adorn it with a godly life and labor and hearty cooperation with your fellow unders, uh, elders under the direction of the Lord? And I said, I will, with the help of God. Then I made some comments, and then Bill made this statement. When God calls members of our body to minister with us as elders, we too are called to renewed consecration as these our brothers accept this privilege and responsibility of eldership. Let us assure them that we're fully with them in spirit and will support them faithfully with our prayers and respect. And you said, we promise to uphold you with our prayers on your behalf. With our love and our encouragement. Uh, we promise to maintain a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and to each other. And now choose before the Lord to submit to you as elders. We respect God's word and believe with you that your role as an elder is the way God chooses to govern this church. And um, so Friday afternoon, this last Friday, I'm looking out, I'm standing out. I've just been standing and crying and staring a lot. And I looked out at my front yard and... Um, 
I was remembering the early morning, like at 2 o'clock, my sprinklers were going bad, and I had to preach that morning. Everybody's asleep, and I'm out there repairing my sprinkler, working on my message and under a street light, and just thinking, how beautiful is this? And, uh, <laughs> excuse me, from college until I became a pastor here, I moved over 30 times. Um, I have stayed at 7301 North 17th Avenue, this wife and I and our family, uh, from the moment that I came and got to be part of this church. So I want to say, you gave me, you gave me a reason to stay in one place. You gave me the safety to not run. You gave me permission to fail. You allowed me to learn how to love and be loved. You convinced me of this way of grace. I would have never, ever, ever, ever taught or learned or ever believed grace if you hadn't shown me by your very lives. You convinced me that we could laugh. I wrote in on my worst day, I said, 1990, I, I wrote that I almost peed my pants right in front of our audience. <laughs> I was in the middle of an illustration on Sunday morning. All of us started laughing and we couldn't stop. It was one of those times when you think you'll stop laughing, then someone in the audience snorts and you're all back on the train. <laughs> At one point, I stood there and I stared out upon the congregation with tears of laughter in my eyes. I was struggling to catch my breath. It's like we were all speaking words behind our laughter to each other. It's like the audience was saying to me, John, we never thought that we'd ever get to be like this in a church. It's incredibly exhilarating. But do you think God likes that we're playing around right now? This story that you're telling, it has no point, no value. <laughs> it's like a guitar solo in a spiritual song. We want to believe our God values all this, but it does seem sort of wrong. I, it's like I was saying, I hope he's delighted. I'm banking everything that he is in it all, that he enjoys it all, that it's part of this incredible being that he's remade us to be. If we're in him, it's all God's stuff. This enjoyment, it's all created by him. I have a feeling he's laughing as hard as we are. And the audience responded in their hearts, we're hoping you'd say that. God's not afraid to risk the consequences of what we do with his grace. I could have landed in 10,000 other communities where there would have been a built-in religious expectation and I would have had to fake my way through. To be in a place that was risking to trust that I'm Christ in me felt so freeing and dangerous all at the same time. We're trusting we love that we have new hearts that we can be trusted. We're trusting God with the pace of each other's maturity and humor and kindness. And many of us are getting healed in the gamble. One of the most freeing moments in my life is to discover who I am as a Christian and who I really am have become the same person. So I want to say thank you to Jesus for trusting me to be an elder in this community. Nothing I have ever done, no honor that I've ever had, no position, uh, no mantle, is not my preaching or anything else is as important as these last 27 and a half years being an elder. Thank you, Open Door, 
Okay. Okay, please. I'm trying so hard to not cry and trying so hard to finish on time. Uh, and you all know that ain't going to happen. Thank you, elders who preceded me and who served with me. Thank you, my family, who paid the price for my serving. And, and thank you, mighty and heroic present elders. I've had a stroke. And they said that I would be back to normal in six months, and it's been five months, and I'm not. I'm struggling. So I have to let go and let others step into this role of elder. There has to be this transition. I'm still going to be part, vitally, of this community. I can commit that to you. I will still be speaking and representing you all out there. And I will be up here when needed. I'll teach Sunday school. I'll continue my policy of never changing a diaper. <laughs> I will be in our audience with you laughing and shouting out inappropriate things to whoever's up front. I want to say this to you, and I want you to hear me and know that I believe it. Something is starting to happen, and I think our very finest days may still be ahead of us. So when I became an elder, Bill Thrall, I remember in his office down on McDowell, he said, so now, John, you are my elder. I, I said, what do you mean? He says, my wife and I now are going to submit ourselves under you. And I said, no, no, don't do that. And he said, no, that's what this is all about. That's what this, this thing is. Um, in an elder-led church, there's this mantle or this umbrella. It's invisible, but when it isn't done well, people get hurt who come try to come under it. And when it is done well, it's beautiful. People get healthy. There's a mantle that comes with this eldership. Oh, what a privilege it has been to be with these guys and try to live that out. These mere goofs, these mortal men. So today, that mantle leaves me. And I entrust my family even greater to you men. open door. These men have been through it. We don't know why it's taken us so long to get this next position. I just want you to know this. These men have been heroic elders in the best sense of the word. And it's been an honor to do this with you. see a lot of you doing this permission full permission to keep doing that um, 
1 Peter 5. Therefore, I exult, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for your own gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Um, John was really careful in what he wanted this morning to look like. We talked about balloons. We talked about a roast. We talked about several things. But I, um, I get to share a couple things, and then Dennis is going to share a couple things. Uh, John, you have... Um, been the finest sacrificial lover. You have, um, in the years that I've been here as an elder and before, shown me what it meant to be an elder. You, you know the people. You've sat with them. You've listened to them. You've cried with them. You have prayed over and over and over. Um, these words from First Peter are true. Uh, your commitment and your faithfulness has been felt tangibly by thousands of us. Um, you have uh, taught me how to play and the value and, and how that, that helps us know how healthy we are. And we could, we could write a book of the text threads and the email threads of you saying funny things in the middle of the deepest of things. And, and it helps us feel safe. Helps us feel safe. Um, so thank you. And thank you for... It doesn't say this explicitly anywhere in Scripture, but your willingness over and over and over and over to be wrong and choose humility. And it does say that. And that's you. That's John Lynch. Love you. sense that maybe I would cry. <laughs> Never do. Uh, 27 years ago, I stood with the elders. And dedicated. Oh. John, that's an elder. You are younger, better looking, a talented speaker with a good foundation of biblical knowledge but not yet mature in godly wisdom. I watched you grow by letting God mature you. You let others speak in your life. You let the hard things mold you into a mature, 
sensitive, caring, loving, godly man. You've always led us into your struggles. And it's encouraged us to be vulnerable and transparent, letting others into our lives to grow us up, this body. God has used you powerfully in my life, John. You now speak with knowledge and experience of the truths you teach. This little body of believers was started about 40 years ago with Bill and Grace Thrall along with several other families. Trusted God to start this church to reach out to a lot of unchurched and churched young people. They were discipled and trained and given opportunities to minister. And we started to minister and to mature. And we started families. Today, right now, look around. Look around you. We are in transition again. My generation... is preparing to pass the leadership to you, our next generation, and to lead us into our tomorrows, you guys. God has promised to be with his church and lead it. And I'm anxious to see what God has for us and committed to see it through. We love you guys. And we're committed to you. And we're committed to see this through. And I, I would ask you to... to um, Consider what it is that God has for you here. God wants to use you. Stay with us. See it through to the end. You stay with us and see what God has next. Um, when you go through hard times, God's most of the time, it seems like, uses those things to clear our vision, strip away other things and show us what's most important, bring us into our tomorrows. And I think that's where God has us. I really do. Thanks.
Oh, what a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. You've conquered death. You've resurrected us into life. You find us. Your power is unstoppable. Your will will be accomplished in all of us. How we love you. You took whatever that was, whatever that looked like, and people say that um, it's not commensurate with your love, but you did. You, you, you had to take some sense of separation from the Father who you'd been so close with forever, and you had to go into darkness where you didn't know what was up or down, and you didn't know where what love was, and it... It caused you to scream out, Abba, Abba, Salakthani, where are you? And you did it because you saw our faces. And you have won us. You've won our hearts. And we are yours. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, thank you for letting us understand Jesus Christ. We love you and thank you that you went to the cross for us. Let your body be broken. Let your blood be shed so that so I'd be free. So that I'd be whole. So that generational patterns would get broken. Oh, gosh. You won. You win our hearts. Love wins. So we celebrate you right now in the taking of this bread, this cup, shoulder to shoulder. Even those who don't yet know Jesus, it's coming. You guys, it's coming. Take your time. Relax. It's coming. Don't let us get in the way with our weird words and goofiness. It's coming. It's coming. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.